0: Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported.
1: Previously on Quantum Kickflip. I didn't know your dad works for Drow.
2: Uh, he, he doesn't anymore.
0: He, he passed away when I was little.
2: Golden Jungle is where her glitch happened
3: and was like, like lightly traumatic for her. The
0: jig is up, Parsable. Your reign of terror has come to an end.
3: This successfully intimidates these bullies and they're like, Fine, keep keep your dumb sword, whatever. You're pretty sure that you see the members of Jet Collective. If you guys wanted to run interference or something, we, we are planning a little bit of a piece of performance art, let's call it. Hey, Weird Gravity, thanks again for the assist. You guys ready to get into some real trouble? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Robin. I am your Slug Master Game Blaster podcaster, and with me here are five of my best and funniest friends, uh, and they're going to introduce themselves for you now in the order of number of letters in your middle name slash names, uh, most to least.
4: Hey, everybody. My name is Glenna Lynn Kirkpatrick Showalter. And I play Elliot Buchanan. She is the chill playbook. She is a rock and rollin' teen who also has a void-wear backpack where she can keep stuff, like her guitar. Hey,
2: everybody, my name's Liam Kreswick. You don't need to know my middle name any more than you need to know the first car I drove or my grandmother's maiden name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm playing uh, Lake, uh, ooh, what's her middle name? Silhouette Lake Silhouette Marston. I don't know where that came from, but uh, uh, she's the heart playbook, and she wields the her trusty reality cannon—a big, uh, like five-foot-long weapon/slash toy that fires uh, lobs of reality-altering
5: lobs. Uh, my name's David Jonathan Ray. My name it comes from the two best friends in the Bible, because my mom thought I would not have any real friends. So <laughs> I am uh, playing Chester Capone. Uh, the uh, and he's a has the grits uh, playbook, uh, so it means he's really tough. But he'll also help you out. And and recently he's been uh, wanting to really get into slug blasting, despite what his dad th- says.
0: I'm Michael Cameron Vetch, and I'm playing Nick Lowe, the smarts playbook. He's the sword-wielding, wall-running, adventurous, kind of angsty, now smart kid boy. <laughs> uh,
1: hello, everyone. My name is Lena L-E-E Anderson, and I am playing Angus Parker Franklin, who is the guts playbook with the skip mode runners. He fast-forwards through time, because he doesn't have time for your B.S. <laughs>
3: when you're... <laughs> When your parents are mad at you, do they yell, Parker? (laughs) And then say, get me pictures of (laughs) Spider-Man. And finally, uh, my name is Robin, and what my middle name lacks in letters, it makes up for in numbers and special characters. Welcome to Quantum Kickflip. <laughs> um, yeah, we're starting a brand new adventure today. Yeah, you guys just got back from from Multipalooza, the uh, interdimensional music festival. Uh, had a had a heck of an adventure there. Elliot got up on stage in front of a bunch of adoring fans, and maybe started a band, or joined a band, or the band joined Elliot. Lake made a celebrity best friend. The rest of you uh had a run-in with Jet Collective, the coolest slug-blasting crew in the in the multiverse. It was it was an eventful time. uh None of that this time. We're gonna it's, this one's all just hanging out <laughs> at home. Business. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all just taking it easy. No, no, no. We got a lot of adventure planned. Normally, this is the time when I would you know set up some uh, some preamble and uh, and and catch up with our characters and null and see what's going on with them, but. Nah, tonight we're. Uh, I t- I'm gonna take you directly to the Golden Jungle. The mid-afternoon sky is a brilliant crimson, and the lush green terrain below it shimmers, the air humid and hazy from the constant heat. Unlike Null, where multiple relatively small planets orbit a large star, the Golden Jungle features multiple stars orbiting one massive planet. There is no night here, but the dense jungle canopy still hides many secrets in its shadows. Lying in an expansive clearing full of tall indigo sawgrass, the rusted-out ruins of some ancient civilization provide a rare pocket of shade in which five teenagers from Null wait with varying degrees of patience or lack thereof. There is a constant sound of exotic bird calls and hum of insect wings. The air is thick and humid and smells of wet soil and chlorophyll. So you guys are already here in the Golden Jungle. Uh, and you're, you're waiting, uh, on something yet to be revealed, but give me a little picture of like, what does it look like? Uh, you're, you're in the shade of some rusted ruins in this, this beautiful clearing, the heat beating down, the sun beating down on you, multiple suns. Everyone's got two shadows here, uh, because you've got multiple suns casting light in different angles. It's very trippy, but yeah, describe to me what your characters are up to as they, as they wait in the
5: shade of the ruins. Chester's reapplying his sunscreen. (laughs) uh of what happened last time uh so he's protecting himself The, the other thing you should note about chester everybody has their hoverboards like normal uh chester this time around he's decided to uh not bring his work hoverboard anymore instead he's decided since he's doing hockey more and more and his powered armor already has like you know fast legs He's actually just going to run uh, whenever he can. He's just going to use his armor to get around. So he feels as ready as he's ever going to be for any kind of run
3: yeah and picturing kind of like a, a gliding uh, almost rollerblady type motion where like the jets and propulsion in your powered armor help you to like run
5: but also glide if that may is that is that kind of the the imagery i, I and I think it can do both like sometimes it depends on the need if I'm going to do a big jump, I might move over to a pure running thing, but yes. generally he's skating kind of a thing. Yeah,
3: I guess it's the hockey imagery that's in my brain. Yeah. It's like I picture him as a as a hockey kid.
5: And that's most and that's what he'll typically do but except in certain circumstances. That
3: makes sense. So Chester's applying some sunscreen. What's everyone else up to in the shade of these ruins? You said we have two shadows? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think Lake has found uh like a stretch of sort of crumbled ruins of like bricks that can't be more than like a foot high. Uh, and it's kind of using those to grind. And so she's like riding her hoverboard and, gr- and just doing a grind, but it's less focused on the grind and more focused on the fact that like she's found a weird angle where like one of the shadows is a shadow. Cause it's hitting her non uh, glitched outside and then the other shadow is is, has taken on some glitched properties because that sun is hitting the side of her body that is glitched Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think it's sort of like you know when you see your reflection in water yeah it's sort of like a wavy wiggly staticky shadow whereas the other one's just a regular shadow Uh, and she's got it kind of like one is on each side of the grind rail and she's just sort of like focusing on that oh I love that
4: Uh, I think Elliot has her tape recorder running Uh, I think she's trying to get some natural jungle sounds. And then at the same time, she's got like an old notebook and a pencil. And I think she's trying to write song lyrics.
3: Ah, very good. Uh, Nick is using his
0: Rift Ninjas both to walk up trees and turn somewhat (laughs) invisible so he can sneak up on the exotic birds and take nice pictures of them.
3: (laughs) Aw. That's very nice.
0: (laughs) He just likes these birds.
5: And, and as you're trying to take a a photo of a bird, uh you know probably Chester comes by at one point, but my armor is just like you'd hear the servos, and so it scares away any birds that you might find. Oh wow, that made for a great action shot Chester. you got it, thank goodness what what are we talking about? Very good, and what's Angus up to?
1: uh I think uh if there was any any sort of travel getting us here, Angus would have been like, you know. Uh, hoverboarding around looking around uh, taking everything in but now that we're sort of in this period of waiting he's just kind of like just sort of slowly pacing he's he's smells very strongly of insect repellent and he's quiet and walking in that slow sort of way that implies that maybe things aren't going so slowly for him right now
3: (laughs) Yeah, never have to wait long when you can just fast forward reality. Oh, yeah, and good thing that uh, you know you're you're paying attention even as reality zips past because you you otherwise you might have missed the very thing that you were waiting for as your M phone uh, vibrates and you're getting a video call from Jet Collective. I think the others are, are free to sort of crowd around and and, and listen in on this. Uh, but Angus, you uh, you answer your phone. Uh, and on the other end, you see uh, Butcher, who you met last run. He's one of the members of Jet Collective. He's a, uh, uh, I believe he's the the only one that's like a human human, not a space alien, uh, <laughs> or an interdimensional yeah. creature, as the case may be. Got uh, got long hair and kind of a kind of a rebellious attitude. I think he's he's wearing a he's wearing a t shirt. He's a casual dude, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so you see him on the other end of this, and he's like. Oh hey, good. Glad I uh glad I caught you guys. Um everything. Uh, oh oh, you guys are already there, huh?
1: Yeah, we don't tend to wait around.
3: Okay, that's fine. I'm sure that's fine. You're not here. Ah, uh, you hear in the background the voice of uh of Savitri, the Thenispartian member member of uh, Jet Collective, saying they're there. They're in the Golden Jungle right now. Well, will tell them to get out of there, and he's like, yeah yeah, no, I I know I know, it's fine. And she's like, well, hurry. And he's like, well, what's the matter? Are you worried about them? And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm not worried about them. I just just tell them. And he's like,
1: hey, guys, remember what I said about how we don't like to wait around?
3: <laughs> uh, and Butcher turns back to the phone. And he's like, right, right. Well, I'm sorry. I, I'm trying to get to the point here. But Sivitri's just really worried about you guys. She cares a lot about you. And she's like, that's not Tell them I don't care about them. And he's like, I-
1: I'll blow her a kiss from me.
3: <laughs> and he does so. It's like, listen, I know that we invited you guys on this run today, and it's really bad form for us to bail, but we have a very good reason. Uh, we've been picking up all sorts of uh space-time anomalies going on in the golden jungle. It's it's looking like some wild interplanar stuff is about to go down. Like, you guys know us, you guys know me, you know that I'm always down for uh for pushing the limits, but uh so so please keep that in mind when it's that it's me telling you you do not want to be in the golden jungle right now. You guys need to get out of there before long. It should be fine now. Like, everything's fine now. You guys are okay, right? You guys are okay? Is anything weird going on there? It's a beautiful, picturesque day, as far as you guys can tell. It's, it's beautiful and idyllic and, and scenic and whatnot.
5: I mean, everything looks pretty good around here.
1: What kind of stuff can we expect?
3: Uh, I like, I, I don't want to freak you guys out, but Farnham said the words, uh, planar eclipse, and that's that's never good when that happens uh realities bleeding into each other and crossing crossing over in, in unexpected ways it just you know a lot of these dimensions are are pretty incompatible with each other like they don't they're they're wildly different from each other that's the whole fun part of slug blasting but when you you start to mix them you get some real real uh oil and water stuff going on uh
1: butcher can see that angus uh is is listening but also has a very intrigued look on his face <laughs>
3: uh and Savitri's in the background is like are you still talking about the the, like tell them to get out hang up the phone he's like yeah yeah no I know you're worried about the mom and Savitri's like no that's not true I'm not I just 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 tell them to get out of there tell them I don't care about them uh (laughs) he's like listen all right I I know it's probably tempting to to go uh chasing after trouble here but like you guys need to find your way out take it from me take it from all the jet collective we would be there if we could. We hate sending you guys up, but like, it is not, it is not safe right now. You guys need to get back to Null and fast. All right.
1: Okay. Thanks for the heads up.
3: All right. I gotta go or, or Savitri's gonna, gonna start crying over there and Savitri's like, I'm not crying. He's like, okay, gotta go later guys. Uh, and hangs up the video call. Now, a little bit of backstory. You guys were invited here after meeting Jet Collective on your, on your previous run. You guys made a connection, helped them pull off a big public art display and sort of terrorized the festival with a corporate, uh, just a uh, corporate executive, I guess. A giant hologram. Anyway, you guys uh, formed a fast friendship there, and I think you've been in touch online since, and they invited you guys on this run, uh, not just to uh, to go to the Golden Jungle, although that is always a, a fun place to go. There's a lot of stuff to check out, uh, but specifically for the blooming of the Turbodendron, uh, which is a rare flower that, like similar flowers here on Earth that bloom once every 100 years or once every 80 years or something like that, uh, the turbodendron is a similar situation, but it's not a time period so much. It's a rare flower that blooms once every reality. There is one per <laughs> dimension, and it blooms once, and then and it is used up all of that dimension's flower nourishing resources, and that's that's the only time. So uh, they got a tip on uh, on the fact that it was going to be in bloom. This is a very rare occasion, and they invited you guys to come along. And again, not just as you know botany enthusiasts, but specifically because the nectar of the turbodendron. Is some pretty coveted stuff uh it allows you to become attuned to this fabric of space-time and sort of uh see the uh reality itself and and the way and the connection between the dimensions in a way that you couldn't otherwise and butcher butcher assured you when he he explained all this to you that like it's not it's i know it sounds like it's like a uh like like a drugs thing or so it's not a drugs thing it's just like a, a an interdimensional travel thing like the nectar doesn't get you high the pollen gets you high. But the nectar is is uh, purely a uh, mechanical advantage in slug blasting. So that was the plan, uh, but now you've been given other information. Uh, what's, uh, what's Weird Gravity's response to this news? If I may, Lake
2: already has her uh, space time ampimeter out, plotting a course home. It is time to go. Uh, she is uh, very concerned and heeds warnings with 100% commitment. Like I that. bet,
3: especially when they uh, are pertinent to the dimension where you had a lifelong transformative uh, glitching experience, because uh, this is here where it happened, where your reality cannon glitched and uh, and left you permanently glitched on your on your one side. Yeah, interplanar anomalies
2: uh, on the golden jungle are very much uh, uh, <laughs> upsetting memory, uh, you know, for her. So yeah she is itching to move uh, to the point of of a uh, obsession
3: that is fair. As you pull out your space time you find that it is is doing a lot of weird stuff uh, and and giving you readings that that you've never seen before and also just don't really make sense. Um yeah, it's you know, spiking in ways and and I don't know exactly what what the interface of the space time looks like, but it it looks different than it normally does in a way that is is not particularly useful to you um that's not to say that you know there's no way out but just that the the technology that you usually use to detect space-time anomalies is uh is going pretty buck wild right now because there are a lot of space-time anomalies happening at once and it's getting very uh very confused Uh... it's like you're trying to use a guitar tuner but like five different instruments are playing at once and it can't quite get a read on which one is is the one you're trying to tune that's my point of reference, I guess. I was
4: just gonna say that's the most Robin analogy I've ever heard in my life. <laughs>
5: yeah, well, uh, how is everyone else feeling about these news? Oh, boy, I I was really hoping to be there for the blooming of the turbodendron, because you know I have I have a biology class that I want to I have a project I need to get in.
1: Wait, were you gonna were you gonna pluck the turbodendron? Well, are you gonna like steal it? Uh,
5: yeah, just says it's blooming, and I'm like, hey, look at this flower. Uh, and I figured that would get me a pass.
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it's
5: the equivalent
3: of, like, going to the, the botanical gardens here where we live and, like, stealing the corpse flower
5: to pass your high school biofinal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no one explained the corpse flower for anyone who might not know,
5: please. <laughs> hey, like, because when I was in grade six and I had a science project due, I just, like, you know... Just put a like a bowl of water out that had some dye in it, and like they're like, Chester, you pass. We just gotta move you along, buddy. And I'm like, it worked. So like, <laughs> I, how is this any different?
4: Far be it me to tell you how to pass high school biology classes, but I think they have a little bit of a higher expectation now that you're in high school.
0: Oh, and boy. Chester, we're in the same bio class. That's that's a written assignment.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was really hoping. To, uh, oh, I oh can boy. explain
0: Punnett squares to you when we get back to null.
5: Then I really need the flower, cause otherwise, how am I gonna write? You know, like I need to look at it and like really study it. So, I get. Are we leaving? Really? We came all this way. And this is. I have a lot of sunscreen on
2: yeah like have you not seen like the wizard of oz like this is like the tornado is coming you get in the house except this time it could literally pick us up and scoop us and throw us in another dimension
5: yeah we have to go yeah but in that movie she got some kick-ass ruby slippers you know
2: um can i blast his feet uh and try to turn the color of them red with my reality cannon? yeah yeah you can (laughs) Actually, you know what? I'm just to up the stakes because she really wants to go and wants to make a point. I'm going to use my middle finger on this. (laughs) What? (laughs) Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Out of the the gate. I just, like, pointed at his feet, blasted, and you are wearing, like, the sexiest, like, perfect-fitting golden ruby slippers. Like, they're high heels, though. I know they're slippers in the movie, but she
5: gives you high heels. And she's like... so this is would be on my armor. So my armor now has high heels uh kind of uh, uh kinked up at the back of them. Yeah. So I'm like
2: it, it'll wear off it'll wear off in uh a, a little bit here. It's it's more to prove a point. Um I'm not... <laughs> Um she's like we need to go and like stares you like dead in the, like she's never been more serious to the point where yeah, I've blown my my, my uh, I uh, once per run I automatically gain a 6 no roll required. <laughs>
1: wow.
5: Yeah, I think we need to go. I mean, that was, that was quite Look, the... I,
1: I know it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, opportunity, that's a weird word for it, a once-in-a-lifetime uh, event that there is the blooming of this incredible flower and also a planar eclipse, which just sounds all kinds of intense, but, I mean, Jet Collective did say... We have to go. And you can see Angus is, like, almost fighting with himself a little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really, this proposes an interesting scientific opportunity. The idea that a, a, a plant that occurs and, and blooms only once per reality during the the moment of a planar eclipse when two planes or, or realities, if you will, are crossing over. You wonder how that would actually impact it with, with the different variables in play. You might be able to see it bloom throughout multiple dimensions, or maybe the eclipse itself will, will r- remove the bloom before it even happens.
1: This might be the kind of thing where we'll have to keep wondering.
5: Well, I think uh, what what Nick is really saying, though, is that this is like an A plus for sure. Um.
1: Uh, hmm. Angus goes up to Lake and he just like mutters so the others can't really hear. What do you have on the ampimeter?
2: It's not working.
1: Okay. We we just let's move. Okay. The longer we stand here arguing, uh, the more I want to fast forward through time and I don't want to fast forward through a planar eclipse. That's probably a bad idea. So let's go uh, this way. And Angus points in an arbitrary direction.
3: Fair uh, enough. Wouldn't
0: the normal portal through Thennis Bar be, be more that direction? Sure.
1: Perfect.
3: Yeah. So I think you guys are, are uh, you start to make a move. Lake's space-time appameter doesn't appear to be working properly, which is complicating things a little bit. That is something that you usually rely on to some degree, but like you guys also do have an idea of where portal zones are. Uh, you have you have previously unlocked uh, a portal zone back to Penispar. Uh It's maybe not the one that you are were planning on taking or are closest to, but uh, but that's a place that you you know how to get. But but yeah, the anomaly is is complicating things. However, you guys are also uh, at this point relatively experienced slug blasters you've been out on a few runs you've uh you uh your hoverboards ride the the curves and the slush of of uh, reality itself uh, and and i think you can't help but become attuned to that to some degree so uh, as much as the space-time ampimeter is uh i'll go back to my tuner metaphor it it might be acting as the guitar tuner you can always tune by ear uh you guys have a sense for these things and you might be able to find a portal zone out if you just you know Make a mile here and and uh, and see what you can find. So can I assume that's what you're doing? Is kind of moving in the direction of the Thanos Spar Portal while keeping your eyes out for for any other portal zones that might expedite the process? Yeah, yeah, I think
5: so. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: yeah, I think as you're going along, you uh, probably are largely remaining in a group because you know you've been been given this warning, but also it's yeah you know, easy to to uh, to cover more ground uh, separately. So I think occasionally. One of you will kind of go off to investigate like, oh, maybe something over here. No, no, it was nothing, nothing uh, going on there. Um, and it's during one of these excursions uh, that Nick, I think maybe you're using your um, your ability to teleport to like, maybe there's a, a high rocky outcropping Uh, that you uh, are able to sort of zip up and kind of get a a lay of the land from up there.
0: Yeah, I just like run up a really big tree or something. (laughs) Yeah,
3: exactly. You've got a little bit of of different mobility than the others do, uh, so you're able to sort of like follow up a couple of leads. Uh, And it is during one of these little excursions, you see something moving towards you fast and you dodge out of the way just in time as someone rockets past you on a hoverboard that seems to be going way faster than it should. Whoa! The figure carves effortlessly around uh, massive tree trunks, cuts a wide corner around a stagnant pool of water, and ramps off of a rocky outcropping, catching an impressive amount of air. At the top of the arc, the figure's hoverboard flickers and disappears from underneath them, and they land on their feet, skidding to a stop just in front of you. The figure tosses his greasy brown hockey hair back out of his freckled face, mopping the sweat from his brow with the sleeve of his metal militia hoodie, and you recognize him as none other than Scott Parsifal. (laughs) What's up, Nick? Long time.
0: But, 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 What are you doing here?
3: Uh, now for those that don't remember, Scott Parsible, uh, and Nick had a previous encounter in, in one of our very first episodes. Scott had, uh, taken a component from Nick. Real classic movie, uh, 80s movie bully situation. Uh, Nick, uh, ultimately triumphed and won the day and got his component back. And, uh, uh, we haven't seen much of old Scott since then, but here he is now in the golden jungle and he gives you a look and he's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm here with my new crew. You didn't, you didn't hear. Uh, and in behind him, you see, uh, the familiar sight of Jason and Kabir are lagging behind, but they finally caught up to him. Um, looks like he is able to hit some pretty high speeds on his hard light board. Uh, and they're like, hey, Scott, man, i like, that was, that was really cool. But you, you gotta, so we, we're, we're trying our best here. You gotta, you gotta let us keep up, man. We're a crew now, I thought. Uh, oh, oh, hey, Nick. Subsonic Sentinel? Yeah, yeah. Did you meet, did you meet Scott? He's the new member of the crew.
0: But- he was he bullies r- rivals and t- together what kind of crossover episode is this <laughs> <laughs>
3: scott's like hey hey now nick now come on man it's uh listen i know we had our differences in the past i don't remember what scott's voice was so it's this now <laughs> <laughs> i know we had our differences in the past man but uh listen i'm i'm not going to hold any uh any Sword-related uh, uh, slights against you. Let's just uh, let's just move forward here. You got your crew. I got my crew. Who's to say which one is was better or which one's gonna go farther? We'll just you know live and let live, man.
0: Yeah, sh- sure. Uh, <laughs> live and let live. Oh, uh, speaking of, if 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 you do want st- to stay living, it might not be a good thing to to be in the Golden Jungle right now. Not that that's not a threat or anything. It's supposed to be a, a friendly good. tip. I didn't. I'm not gonna do anything with your life i know i have a sword <laughs> but it's it, uh, there's gonna be a, a planar eclipse and it, it might not be the best thing to be here right now
3: and scott kind of looks back at jason and kabir and they all sort of laugh and like <laughs> yeah and that's that's part of why we're here i mean we're 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 here to check out all the action how often does a planar eclipse happen you're you're what you guys are leaving well
0: uh, yeah uh on account of we sort of understand some of the physics behind it. it it's not really the right time to, to check out, you know?
3: Huh? I mean, I didn't know the weird gravity was the kind of crew that just turns tail and, and runs at the first sign of trouble. Not, not very, uh, not very slug blastery. If you ask me, not, not really, not really the spirit of the whole thing, but like, I guess you guys do do whatever you want. But- Subsonic Sentinel's going to stay though. We're going to check this out. This is, this is where the party's at. And Jason and Capere are like, yeah, nice. No, that's, cool <laughs>
0: well I I mean i I never I I I didn't mean that we were going like right now I just meant that like we were gonna keep it in mind uh so so we 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 ha- had an extra planned out but we're we're definitely gonna be
3: uh observing the the, the eclipse no no man that's okay it's you know I I understand you gotta you gotta think about your own I mean it's gotta be hard for you because di- didn't you like didn't your dad get lost in another dimension or something like and you work for a Drow or some shit? Like that's that's got to be rough. So you know, I get it if you're scared. I'm not scared. Whatever, man. We're gonna go check out this planar eclipse. And Computer's like, yeah. And the Turbo Dendron. And Scott kind of shoots him a look. And Jason's like, man, cut, shut up. They might not know about that. And it's like, all right. I mean, nothing. <laughs> good, good cover.
0: Very good cover.
3: Scott's like, all right, listen. We gotta we gotta head out here, man. But uh, you know, you guys, you guys stay safe. Seems to be what you guys do best. Uh, And uh, he motions for Jason Kabir to follow and they they uh, off they go. Well, if they're here, that gives us two reasons to leave right away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I think this was mostly an interaction with with Nick that that he had kind of gone off his own. But I think you guys like, uh, you know, went to check up on him after he didn't come back. And so you caught like the tail end of that interaction. Uh, Whoever whoever wants to be there can be there. Um, But yeah, let's let's see how this plays out.
5: Wait, wait. Th- those guys are going to stick around.
0: Yeah, that seemed to be their plan. Uh,
5: well, I mean, isn't like everything going to go real bad real soon? That's what everything says in theory. Well, I, I mean, maybe we should, maybe we should try to get them out of here. You know, like it's if it's not safe for us, it's not safe for them, right?
0: Well, I tried explaining all that, but they just—they said they'd stick around and do the thing. (sighs)
2: Well, maybe if the reality warps around them enough, they won't have such thick heads anymore. Uh, guys,
5: I I don't know. I think we need to get them back.
1: We need to find a portal first. We need to find our way out of here. And when we find it, we don't have to go through it. We can go back and get those idiots and probably try to trick them into going through the portal, to be totally honest with you.
0: Angus, did Jet Collective send you the coordinates for their The turbodendron?
1: Uh, yeah, I got them.
0: Uh, do you mind if I take a look at them quick? Why? Uh, just, Subsonic Sentinel sort of mentioned it in passing, and I I think that might be the way that they're headed.
1: Right, yeah, that makes sense. Here you go.
0: Catch, catches the phone, and, uh, Nick looks at the coordinates, and Mm he's got Angus's phone in his hand, and then he teleports away.
3: Okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> I guess I have to roll for that, but, um,
3: yeah, no, let's, yeah. let's do this. <laughs> I love it.
0: Uh, so yeah, uh, I think it's a matter of like, Nick catches the, the phone tossed to him out of the air and then he pulls out his negatana to activate the slip rattle, roll to teleporting universe by slicing space time. If you can't see your destination, potential problems are worse. So he's <laughs> slicing, not based on something he can see, but based on his understanding of the plane, and the where the coordinates would be.
3: <laughs> okay, so you're trying to te- teleport directly to the Turbodendron. Yes. Okay.
0: Oh, wow. Whew. I'm, I'm going to add one die for my smarts, because I think that's sort of key to Nick's understanding of how to work off of the coordinates. Yeah. Uh, but I do also want to use uh, just one of the general slug-blasting abilities uh, to push yourself, uh, Take a Dare, in which you can add plus 1d6 or a kick to your roll by marking a Trouble. That, in conjunction with an ability I just picked up in the last run, Double Dare, uh, means when I'm doing this, I get an extra d6. So I'll take the trouble, but I'm adding two d6 to my roll. Okay. Uh, and he comes in... <laughs> there is a six in there. Okay. <laughs> all of the others are ones. <laughs> I'm glad I went with four guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, Nick catches the phone turns and spins with his blade, and
5: then he steps through his rift. Nick! Nick! Oh, no, the pl- the planar eclipse got him.
1: No, that was not the planar eclipse. That was another case of an idiot. <laughs> so we have to go back and get him now, hey?
5: Well, I think it's a good idea if we also find an exit, but we might just have to split the group. Um, l- l- You look over at Lake, and like the, the, the two suns
2: shining on her face like, illuminate the fact that there's like almost tears welling up in her eyes one of the one on her glitched outside has like a glint to it she, she yeah that that was that really scared her that nick did that um and she doesn't know what to do because she doesn't she she was ready to leave without jason and kabir but she's not ready to leave without nick but that is um a huge ask to get her to stick around any longer
1: Like, give me your phone
2: yeah uh hands it hands you the phone sure what the ampometer, right the ampameter
1: uh angus is looking at the ampimeter, but he's also looking at where the coordinates of the flower were yeah okay this way and he's heading towards to the best of his memory where he thinks the flower is but also i assume like's ampimeter is plugged in there so also keeping an eye out for thin zones
3: yeah so you guys uh start making your way towards the uh to the best of your memory, the coordinates of the Turbo Dendron, in the hopes of catching up with both uh, Subsonic Sentinel and Nick, all the while keeping your eyes peeled for portal zones and trying to find a way out of here. I think we go now to uh, to catch up with Nick. Now, Nick, you uh, you've marked your your trouble from that uh, ability that you just used. Yes. Um, and you rolled a six, which is an unequivocal success. However, I don't think you. I'm going to give the caveat that like, I don't think the coordinates are like exactly where the flower is growing. I think this is like, this is the quadrant of the golden jungle it is growing in. Uh, So you have circumvented a lot of the journey, but you don't like pop into existence on top of the turbo dendron kind of like you've, you've still got to like, find it if that makes sense mm-hmm. however uh you find a uh, a pretty curious sight before you uh you, you heard jet collective talking about the planar eclipse that was about to be happening and uh so far you guys hadn't really seen much evidence of it but uh here where you have popped into existence uh, it's pretty undeniable <laughs> ahead of you the jungle thins out slightly receding into a stretch of marshland Clusters of reeds stick up out of waist-high water that would normally be still and stagnant. However, it is currently bubbling and steaming, occasionally releasing jets of noxious gas. In the sky ahead of you, you see an impossible sight. The summit of a volcano, suspended in mid-air. Partway down its slope, it simply vanishes. It's as if the base of the mountain is shrouded in fog, only the fog is reality itself molten sulfur streams forth from the opening at its peak, running down the mountainside and then dripping downward in thick yellow streams into the marshland below, causing the water to superheat. Uh, The smell is indescribable, but vomit-inducing is a good start.
0: Dang it! What is that smell? Uh, Coordinates. Turbodendron, turbodendron. What do I remember about the turbodendron to head somewhere with a more even keel climate
3: i i'm gonna actually give you a little piece of information here i think you know that the turbodendron is like a a low light sort of a plant that like it, it doesn't bloom in in direct sunlight it is it is something that grows more in the shade um, and so you can see this marshland ahead of you is pretty exposed. Um, also there's a giant, uh, volcano sticking through reality <laughs> and belching sulfur here. Uh, so if the turbodendron's growing here, it's, uh, probably being cooked. Um, but you see beyond the marshland, the jungle gets, uh, particularly dense.
0: Okay, I've gotta go back. Be- gotta make for the canopy. And Nick, uh, hops on his board and starts, uh, skating out over top of the marsh, I guess.
3: Nice. Now, I would love to turn this into a mini, uh, like a, like a, not a chase sequence, I guess, cause you're not, uh, I mean, you're moving towards something, but you're not being chased, uh, but more like mm. you've got this marshland to navigate. There is sulfur streaming from the sky from a half invisible volcano. There's boiling water, releasing occasional sh- jets of noxious gas, Ah, uh, so I think now is the perfect time to introduce a progress track uh mm-hmm. that you uh can then sort of navigate your way through here.
1: Uh while you do that, uh Angus's phone buzzes in your hand.
0: Ooh. I'll check it. <laughs>
1: uh it's it's from Lake's number and it says, Where'd you go? Dash A.
0: Um. Nick just pockets the phone. Oh,
3: boy.
4: Angsty boy.
3: (laughs) So we're going to go with the progress track of sulfur. uh, And I'm being a a generous GM here and spelling it the American way with an F instead of a PH. So it's a little bit shorter. It's six letters instead of seven. But yeah, that is the number of uh, successes that will need to be rolled. uh, But you can also add kick. There isn't a threat clock here. There are just, you know, problems to be incurred along the way. Um, but that is sort of the, uh, navigating the stretch of marshland will, will take that amount of successes. Um, so yeah, describe to me kind of what Nick's move looks like here and sort of how he's navigating his way through this sulfurous boiling marsh, uh, and feel free to, uh, add any, any boost or kick or, or whatever you like to your role. Uh, yeah. What's, what's Nick doing here? I think in
0: seeing... (laughs) Just the impact of the volcano and how much this plane is being affected by the the oncoming eclipse. Uh, he's realizing that uh, this rash decision. He's got to move fast. Uh, so I think I want to roll to activate the nega friction wake with my negatana. Uh, roll to boost your speed as your sword accelerates
3: through matter, even air, and pulls you along. Amazing! I love that's that makes total sense. Does that add any dice to your roll? Also, are you adding any kick or anything to your roll?
0: Uh, it. Doesn't initially. Uh, I will add one from the, the turbo pool of my sword, and I think I'm gonna add two kick.
3: Amazing. That's
0: two to six, and I got a four.
3: All right, we got a mixed success. Uh, and you added how much kick to that? Two. So that's gonna that's gonna get you partway through this marsh line. Describe to me this maneuver, and I will I will throw your complication at you as you go.
0: Yeah. So I think initially he's just kind of hovering. I guess you probably don't get that much height over top of the, the marshy water. So he's he's kind of brushing his way through the reeds. Uh, and then when he draws the sword and, and pulls back in a, in a stance on top of his board, he thrusts it forward and that's when it begins to engage and accelerate to pull him. And uh, I think with that, it starts pulling him and it's, it's uh, pushing through all the different reeds that are sticking up. And he's kind of trying to find as straight a shot across the marsh as he can
3: and i think you're able to do that there's sort of these these uh thick yellow streams of sulfur pouring down from overhead uh also it it is wild to pass underneath this uh volcano because it's sort of only sticking through from certain angles it's like when you clip through a wall in a video game and like from the inside <laughs> there's nothing there like it you can sort of see this hollow non-existent inside of this volcano that is very, uh, existent from the outside, and it's, it's a trip, but you're not really, uh, taking in the scenery too much, you're just trying to find the, the straightest path through, uh, you're, you're sort of weaving around, uh, noxious gas and, and, uh, dodging geysers as they come up, and I think at one point you just get hit with a splash from one of these as a, as a large bubble sort of swells up and bursts in a particularly pungent puff of, uh, of gas. Uh, the gas doesn't get you, but the splash of boiling swamp water does hit you. Uh, and you're going to hit, be hit with a slam Scalded. Now that is your second slam box here because you already were carrying the slam of Insecure from your downtime. So they are, your boxes are full. If you take one more slam, you're peeling back. <laughs> Hello, weird kids. It's me, your slugmaster, game blaster, podcaster Robin, here to tell you how much we appreciate you listening to the show and sharing it with friends. We can't possibly put into words how much that means to us and how important it is for the show Uh, We love hearing from you as well. Reach out to us. You can find us uh, uh, at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, probably some other ones I'm forgetting, Uh, but I'm not forgetting about Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can uh, get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, uh, as well as bi-weekly bonus content like interviews, outtakes, and lots more. Uh, I'd also like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. Check them out at amaas.ca. And we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, and they're actually one of our sponsors this week. Uh, So they have a bunch of amazing locally made shows that you can check out over at albertapodcastnetwork.com, including I Have Some Notes, uh, which is co-hosted by uh, our very own Liam Kreswick, who plays like Marsden here on Quantum Kickflip. Uh, He hosts that show along with Scott C. Bourgeois and Greg Beaver. Uh, They take uh, uh, movies that maybe weren't the best, and and tweak them, give them some, uh, some punch-ups, give them some notes, and try and, uh, and fix them and make better movies out of them. It's a lot of fun. It's always super insightful and interesting to listen to. And the most recent episode is all about Solo, A Star Wars Story, and I happen to be the guest star on that episode. So you get two Quantum Kickflip cast members for the price of of free. It's a podcast. It's free. All podcasts are generally free, but this one uh, is is uh, worth every penny and more. Uh, so check it out over at albertapodcastnetwork.com uh, or uh, just wherever you get your podcasts. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you'll be able to check out the conclusion of this Golden Jungle run on Wednesday, September 29th. Uh, and we're going to get you back into the action real quick here, but first I'm going to cede control of the transmission over to Jet Collective so they can tell you about an important cause that they're championing. Hey everybody, Butcher from Jet Collective here, but don't get it twisted, this isn't some sellout moment, this is not a commercial, this is a message, this is a movement, this is a revolution. This episode is brought to you by Yegg Podfest, presented by Edmonton Community Foundation, in partnership with the Alberta Podcast Network and LitFest, Canada's non-fiction festival. Running October 1st through 3rd, Yeg PodFest will be held all online this year, so anyone can tune in to experience it. It's global, it's digital, it's worldwide. You cannot stop the signal. Events include masterclasses with professional podcasters, panel discussions, feature interviews, and more. Some of APN's member shows will be there too, so join us for the virtual party from October 1st through 3rd. To check out the full lineup and get tickets, head to yegpodfest.ca. That's yegpodfest.ca. This is what it's all about. Old media is dead, the internet murdered it, and nobody cried at the funeral. Podcasts of the future, and the future is now. Jet Collective, out. The other five of you you've been making your way towards the coordinates and kind of keeping your eyes open i'm gonna say the uh the portal zone that you know about to thenespar is sort of it's not uh the same direction as the turbodendron but it's also not the opposite direction it's kind of like they they go out in a v ahead of you so like going to the turbodendron coordinates would be a detour on the way to getting out you could carve a much straighter path to the thenespar exit uh, if you didn't have to go check up on your teammate and your other uh, and your and your rivals, I guess. <laughs> but such is life. That's that's the scenario you're in. So it's you're not actively moving away from the one exit you know about, but you're also not moving towards it in the in the most direct manner that you could be uh, and might want to be during, you know, a planar eclipse. Uh, as we're skating along, uh, Lake reaches or, or just like,
2: Elliot, I, you, you can pull anything out of your bag, right? Like, that's the that's the bit. That's a bit. I uh, could you, and she says it really low because she kind of want anyone else to hear. It. It's like, could, I I didn't pack one of these. I don't have one, but do you do you have a a peel back kit? Could I pull one out of there if I needed? Uh, probably. You think you're gonna peel back? I I, I just I just want to know that that's an option.
4: Yeah, de- definitely.
2: Thanks.
3: Aw, that's very sweet. I think you guys started off, as we established, in like a clearing of, of uh, indigo-colored sawgrass uh, in in the shade of these ruins. Uh, and I think as you moved after uh, towards the coordinates, you you entered into the the jungle proper, kind of in under the canopy. Uh, so lots of uh, massive uh, leaves, of both above and below, big thick vines hanging down, constant bird song uh, of of exotic uh alien really birds that you've never heard before uh as well as just a constant uh buzz of insects and uh as you as you move further and further into the jungle the trees get more tightly packed and denser uh and then as you're careening forward i assume angus is in in the front of the pack as per usual if there's any question about who goes first it's you yep angus throws up a hand and you all come sliding to an abrupt stop just in time Ahead of you, the thick jungle foliage appears to continue to carry on for miles, the canopy is dense and unbroken, however, as your eyes follow the trunks of the trees downward, they seem to just disappear, and instead of underbrush and ground below them, you see a dizzying chasm. Far, far below you, you can make out a sea of flames and molten rock churning and boiling, so distant that you can't even feel the heat from them. Ahead of you, the treetops remain, floating like balloons over the vast expanse.
1: I am assuming the coordinates are on the other side of this chasm
3: absolutely they are
1: what about the thin zone
3: back to thenis
1: mm-hmm
3: no it's in it's in uh, uh, uh another direction would would probably yeah. not uh have to cross this chasm were you to go directly out okay as you guys kind of stand on the brink and you're looking out at this just frankly impossible sight that there is a huge chasm where there should be ground and yet there's still a jungle canopy carrying on ahead of you uh you you feel the i guess not familiar because you weren't the ones that it happened to uh but but once again something comes careening towards you way too fast and you kind of step to the side just in time as uh as scott parsival on his heart light board uh just shoots out into the chasm uh seemingly not caring but as you watch he he sort of does that similar trick from earlier where he sort of uh flickers and and disappears for a moment and then reappears elsewhere and sort of ramps off the side of one of the trees and then flickers and disappears again and sort of ping-pongs plink uh horizontal plinkos his way uh <laughs> through this canopy of trees uh using his hard light board um and you see a moment later, Jason and Kabir come up next to you. Uh, and, and they do stop They're They're not quite as gutsy as, as Parzival. Uh, it's, it's genuinely impressive. Like he, he doesn't break stride, uh, at the site of an impossible grand Canyon, uh, full of lava in front of him. Uh, but Jason and Kabir kind of come skidding up and they're like, Whoa, Oh man. He just kind of, kind of went for it, huh?
1: Yeah. Yep.
3: Wow. Okay. I guess we better, uh, we better go after him. this <laughs> This is intense this is pretty that's that's very that's very deep wow
1: it's really weird too because there's not even really anything on the other side of the chasm at least not from what i'm seeing here
3: uh and kabir's like no that's totally the way to the turbo den and jason shoots him a look and he's like the way to nothing
1: exactly the way to nothing
3: and jason's like glad we caught it in time
1: I don't know about you, but we were looking for this super rare flower that blooms once every reality, and I'm pretty sure it's actually over there. And he points in the direction of the thin zone?
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> like, this is where you would roll a deception check in D&D. I still think that this should get a roll.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's just a straight
3: roll, and then, like, if you can explain to me how any of your playbook abilities factor in, uh, or if you want to use, you know. Any of the other resources at your disposal hype dice etc dares uh you are you are welcome to use whatever you like, but uh tell me tell me how you're how you're rolling and what you're rolling
1: uh I think I'm just gonna add the one die from my guts ability uh guts in that Angus is boldface lying to them
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely
1: <laughs> and i'll I'll give it a look cool and that he's like trying to play it cool yeah, okay a five
3: mixed success, yeah. So Jason and Kabir look at each other, wide-eyed but tight-lipped, as they both kind of are like trying not to give anything in the way. And they're like, "Really, you guys are here for a for a flower?" And Kabir's like, "Some sort of turbo flower." And Jason's like, "Shut up, S- some kind of flower, hey?" <laughs> wow. And you say it's over that way. What w- what makes you say that?
1: Oh well, you know I've got some uh uh. Intel we've kind of actually been working with another group. You might have heard of them, uh Jet Collective?
3: You guys know you guys don't know Jet Collective. Shut up. Did you like take a selfie with them or anything while you were at Multiple? UZA?
1: No, Angus is just he just shrugs. He's just like, nah, yeah, believe me if you want.
3: <laughs> Amazing, yeah. Uh Jason is is like, You don't know Jet Collective, and is like, Do you know Jet Collective? Um They're like, Oh, well, uh that's really interesting. For you, I mean, because of your flower that you're here for. We're just we're just checking out the eclipse. It's um, it's nothing. Anyway, uh, we should probably try and catch up with Scott. He's honestly a really big get for our crew, and and, and we kind of got to make sure that he's, you know, not thinking of leaving or anything. Like this this is really gonna gonna put Subsonic Sentinel on the map if we can hang on to him. And Kabir kind of for for the first time, Kabir gives Jason a look of like, dude, don't tell them that. Uh, <laughs> he's like, right. Anyway, <laughs> let's go. I guess. Uh, and they both kind of reach up and, like, grab a vine, and and uh, they kick off and go swinging out and, and uh, attempt to Tarzan it across.
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> how does that go? <laughs>
3: uh, we'll find out, but I'm more interested in, in how things go for our good friends Weird Gravity. What's the play here, gang? Slash, does anyone have any, any thoughts or feelings
5: about this?
1: <laughs> Angus will turn to the group and say, Nick's on the other side of that. I'm pretty sure.
5: Well, if that's the case, then uh, you know maybe I can just jump across there.
4: But you can't be the only one who
5: goes. He won't be. Yeah, yeah. It should it should be fine, right? Well, and and you know some some people should probably make sure that uh, if he, somebody can go pick up the turbodendron and I'm pointing the same way that Angus did, I think that'd be <laughs> really great if you could do that for me. <laughs>
3: You successfully bluffed both uh, uh, Subsonic Sentinel and Chester unintentionally.
1: (laughs) Uh, Angus is looking over to Lake and Elliot.
2: Lake sort of stammers because, like, I don't. She's like, I don't have any way to get over there. I don't. And she just sort of like shrugs, like, I don't have. uh, I don't have uh, movement abilities. I've got reality abilities. Do
1: you want to go over there?
2: She looks at Elliot at this point. She's she, everyone knows her stance. Yeah.
4: Listen, if you want to stay behind Lake, I can stay with you.
2: She she looks back at at, at um Angus and like, I guess like you know that I don't, but give lay it on me.
1: Angus offers his hand.
2: What about Elliot?
4: I got to avoid wear backpack, remember?
2: <laughs> she, she shakes her head. She's like, I don't know how that helps, but what you, you don't <laughs> seem phased, so okay she
3: reaches out and and takes it
1: energy tensor
3: amazing uh tell us what the energy tensor does and, and let's get that roll
1: with a running start roll to teleport in universe if you can't see your destination potential problems are worse i will be adding two kick to ensure that i can bring lake with me
3: uh yeah so you're adding kick to your roll are you adding any extra dice uh either from your own pool or from the team pool of hype dice
1: Yeah, you know what? I'll add one from my uh, uh, skip modes as well. So uh, one extra die, two kick. I am trying to look cool. (laughs) Five.
3: Mixed success. There we go. Does your uh, ability have any caveats like Nick's about uh, if you can't see where you're going, potential problems may be worse?
1: That is exactly the caveat that it has.
3: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That is good to know. Because, yeah, you don't see the other side of, like, you you know, like, I think it's, it's just too distant, like, you see it in the distance, yeah. but it's like, you you can't, like, pick out a, like, oh, that's where I'll land, is, like, directly <laughs> That's there. where
1: the floor starts again, yeah. Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> um, and once again, it's got that sort of video gamey physics of, like, uh, of uh, clipping through a wall that you're not supposed to clip through, that, like, it doesn't look like a cliff face descending down from the ground, it's not, like, a sheer crack in the earth it's kind of like you can sort of see further into whatever plane this is that's bleeding through but also not and it's it it, uh messes with your head the longer you look at it like you don't you start to get a headache if you look at it for too long um so we've got a mixed success uh from angus and you were trying to look cool so mark your style uh we're gonna play that out in a moment but we're left with uh chester and elliot uh chester you had mentioned trying to jump and elliot you had uh, mentioned your voidware backpack i'd love to get everyone's offers here and then we can resolve them all in tandem.
4: Uh, I think I'm going to use self-storage <laughs> where you can store human-sized objects like humans or, I don't know, mannequins? Also yourself. It's dark in there. Hey, Chester, if I uh, if I step in my backpack, will you carry me across when you jump?
5: Yeah, well, I mean, you you really trust me to m- make this jump? Because I'm not even 100% sure on this one, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm gonna trust anyone. I'm gonna trust you. Aww. Okay.
5: Okay. Well then, I'll I'll really make sure I do this well. Um, okay. And I, I start making my way kind of like I'm going to try to line up a, like a path to the, uh, the edge of the chasm and like try to like line up and I'm going to go. Because one of the things why I'm skating instead of using my board is because of my new powered midsoles, which is uh, taken from another... Um, Device Mm -hmm. so it allows me to run super fast easily keeping up with hoverboards So that's what I'm using to get going I'm using the mobility boosters from the armor itself to go fast over solid terrain and then uh, Using the heavy-duty servos to actually make the jump itself This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna like take out my phone and I turn it on to like that streaming page because I'm like okay, well If I'm not going to be able to do my science project uh, by writing it down, I'm going to just make a video of it. And I have no idea how this website works uh, or anything. It (laughs) is technically streaming for our crew, but I think I'm doing a science project. So I'm like, (laughs) since the beginning of time, uh, people said that a man couldn't jump. On the moon, but I'm going to try to jump this chasm using the power of science and, and biology. Um, okay, I think that should work. Uh, um, okay, here we go. And uh, start, like, skating uh, faster and faster, even as it's going, like, against gravity. I'm, like, climbing uh, towards the lip. And I uh, jump at the last second, I'm going, and I have the Voidware Backpack in the other hand, and, like, I huck it ahead of me, so that way I know the backpack makes it at the very least. Oh, what a
3: play. Um, (laughs) Quick clarification, Glenna, did you have to roll to get into the backpack, or that's a thing you can just do with that ability?
4: Nah, it's just a thing you can do. The backpack rules. (laughs)
3: Incredible. So, we are, uh, we have... Angus rolling for the teleportation you got to make success. Chester, let's get the roll for this jump.
5: Uh, before I do this, he's not necessarily meaning to, but uh, this is trying to look cool. Uh, he is going to, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I'm going to use the uh, sacrifice your body. This is the big roll of the of the time, so I'm going to use the sacrifice the body, take a slam and get plus 2d6 to the action roll. Uh, the slam cannot be noped, absorbed by armor, ignored with an ability, etc. I'm going to use an uh, extra dice from my ter- uh, from my armor, and uh, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm going to stop you before you roll. Mm-hmm. Your intent
3: was to throw the backpack ahead to make sure that at least the backpack makes it across, even if you don't. That's correct. I'm going to give you this offer if you are willing to burn one of your kick on on either your playbook or your device. That will be true. the The bag will make it regardless of your fate. If not, the bag may be victim to whatever complications uh, that should arise, depending on whether you roll, you know, a problem or a or a mixed success or whatnot. I will I'll respect the intent that like you're trying to put the bag first. Yeah. But but depending on how bad you roll, harm to Elliot is not off the table unless you're willing to burn a cake about it
5: uh absolutely i'm gonna i'm gonna do that uh and make sure that, amazing and you know i'm gonna use it from the powered armor because it's really utilizing that i'm just hucking it as far as i can yeah that totally uh-huh. makes sense then Leia, yeah, let's get that roll i do have a six in there Yay!
3: incredible uh so we have one full success angus you got a mixed Uh, we're gonna see how all this resolves in just a moment. Uh, but first, we're gonna check back in with Nick. So Nick, you're halfway across this boiling marshland, and so far have done okay. You've taken taken a splash of scalding water, but are otherwise hanging in there. However, you now see in front of you that through this last stretch, like like you've been seeing you know there are trees sticking out of the out of the marsh there are reeds and stuff a lot of them are not doing so hot now that the water is boiling but they're (laughs) they are there they are present and you see what seems to be like a giant thick strand of vine but it's like weirdly hanging like upwards out of the water and as you get closer you realize that it is it is moving and it is not a vine at all it's covered in in scales uh, that oh, sort of are good. they're like a, a diamond esque, like they're they're reflective but white but uh, prismatic a little bit, uh, and it it sort of is looping up out of the sulfury boiling water and back down into it, uh, and you see uh, up ahead of you several more coils doing the same thing. Yeah, you got half a marshland left. Uh, what's your what's Nick's next play? Uh, what all does Nick know of calorium? <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's Michael a good remember question one particular thing from Calorium that may or may not be <laughs> serpentine in nature Well, I, d- uh, I have no idea why you'd be asking because you're in the golden jungle right now is where you are uh, but since you asked course, uh, the slug blaster rulebook uh, states uh, that Calorium is the plane of fire strange airships float on updrafts flocks of flamingos gather in the boiling soda lakes a phase dragon naps in st- uh, a steaming caldera uh very very the dimension of of heat and fire and and a phase dragon um yeah weird weird coincidence maybe uh or or yeah, possibly who not can
0: who can possibly say
3: <laughs> i'm gonna say that everyone uh like to your own discretion because i feel like some of you are playing um below your own intelligence cough chester cough you can know <laughs> as much about any given dimension as is, is stated in the rule book, like what is given in that brief description is pretty common knowledge and then anything more specific than that might take some justification about like how do you know that? Have you been there do you have you studied it uh so yeah you, Nick and Nick knows about the phase dragon uh, has heard tell that there is a a something called the phase dragon in the plane of calorium so maybe this uh confirms what you might have already suspected about which particular reality is bleeding into the golden jungle
0: yeah, I think that's definitely something that like Nick is aware of, of that feature of calorium, but Nick also normally takes a little more time to, or like, maybe he doesn't take more time to think things through, but usually his mind is running and thinking all at once. And I, he's just kind of distracted on this today. Like the interaction with Scott and everything is kind of eaten away at him a little. And I think he's almost just like he like, took an
3: insecure slam in the downtime. <laughs> my goodness, that and then
0: also getting splashed with boiling water. Uh. Yeah,
3: I'm picturing on like the arm, by the way. I don't want to get too gruesome in this in this like no, fun comedy I was, podcast. I was thinking
0: it must have like splashed up on his legs because he's always oh, running yeah. around in shorts. That's not good safety gear. <laughs> that makes
3: more sense actually. Yeah, it's totally a leg, a leg skull.
0: Um, but yeah, I think Nick. He knows about the phase dragon as a thing that is not at all at the front of his mind at this moment. And he's just like, okay, stand back up. I've been having some tough time with the board. I think I just need to try and skip over as much of this as I can. And he's going to try and teleport over to this large viney structure that he sees.
3: Fantastic. <laughs> oh, you're you're trying to teleport to the dragon? Yes. Amazing. He's not aware that
0: it's a dragon, but that he sees it as the next sort of thing going forward across the marsh.
3: For sure. Tell me, uh, add anything you're adding to that, and, uh, and let's get that roll. Uh, so I will add
0: the last of my uh, device kick, and I'll also add a second
3: die. So that'll be rolling 2d6. I got a four. That is a mixed success. Amazing. And you added one kick to that? Yes. Cool. Uh, that knocks out two more letters. You have one letter left to cross this uh, this boiling marshland. Describe to me the uh, the teleportation, and then I'll give you your problem.
0: Uh, I think with this, like he he once he got splashed, he'd sort of landed off on. I, I pictured like a little sort of like island, just a little like sandbar or something in the midst of the of the marsh. So he he stands up, uh, picks up his board, uh, goes to one end of the little outcropping of land, takes a running start, and pulling the sword directly from its sheath makes the cut to teleport and goes right on through toward uh toward the the dragon
3: (laughs) yeah and you uh you carve through space time as you often do leaving a a glowing red slice in the fabric of reality itself Uh, and you reemerge uh on top of one of these coils and uh I think it's it's it takes you a second to find your footing cuz uh are um you know it's it's slowly shifting underneath you not fast enough that it's like pulling you into the into the sulfur but like you realize now that you're on it that it is moving and twisting and winding through you are substantially closer to your goal. You can see the other side and you can see where the uh the jungle gets denser there and you're you're so close you can taste it. But uh you yeah, you felt this coil shift underneath you and and it also felt you mm. landing on top of it. And I think that is your complication from your mixed success is that yeah, an impossibly large head rears itself up out of the swamp and sort of curves to look at what is uh perched upon uh, one of its many coils uh, it, it doesn't have eyes but you see it open up its jaws and the jaws open in three directions it's got like a top jaw and then two bottom ones Whoa. and just so 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 many uh, sparkling diamond shard teeth lining this this triplicate mouth uh, and it is coming straight towards you um, you have gotten the attention of the famed Calorium phase dragon uh, what do you do <laughs>
0: Wow! <laughs> oh, and it doesn't have eyes. Okay. Um. Hmm. How how close is the head?
3: Getting closer all the
0: time. Um.
3: <laughs> uh, how close do you need it to be? <laughs>
0: um. So I'm I'm on one of these coils. Yeah. Is there any chance that I don't know? Maybe the coil. It's kind of like doing a Loch Ness Monster sort of hump up and out of the water kind of thing.
3: Oh, that's exactly what it's doing.
0: Maybe there's a part of it where like if I were to ride along it's the spine of it, it would sort of slope down and then back up a bit. And I could, I don't know, use the dragon like a jump to make it from the back onto its head.
3: Ah! <laughs> there absolutely is. You, sorry, you uh, you're going to use the dragon's body as a improvised skate ramp to take a jump. Not to safety but onto its head. Yes. Yes. I love it. Yes, Yes, absolutely. That, that is possible. Let's get a roll for it. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Um, Uh, You only have one more uh, progress track to clear here, but you, uh, one more letter in the progress track to clear. Add whatever you're adding and, and let's get that roll.
0: I'm going to take another Trouble. Mm-hmm. To, to act as a dare and get that other 2d6. So I'm rolling 3d6. I'm going to put two of my smarts kick on
3: it. <laughs> so I I mentioned earlier that you only have one progress track left to mark. So like really a success will get you where you're going here. Although where you're going is is uh, a point of contention apparently. Uh, but uh, if you're not trying to clear the progress track, what is it that you're trying to do?
0: Uh, well... My thought is if I can get on its head, there might be a way that I can then, I don't know, direct it and ride the phase dragon towards <laughs> the termodendron? Oh my god. Yes! That's why I'm thinking that the kick might help with whatever that
3: portion Jesus. of it is. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's appropriate.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh
3: boy. Give me that roll, baby.
0: Oh, <laughs> um, hmm, hmm, hmm mm-hmm okay uh so i i rolled those three dice and i got a one a one and a two uh i'm just gonna stop for a sec here and uh, robin i know you're not the biggest anime person but uh what is do you think probably
3: one of the, the world's <laughs> most known animes Ah, uh, akira dragon ball z there we get got uh, it on the second one <laughs>
0: uh, with the smarts playbook i have the ability to know how you know everything there is to know about anime if this would help you with an action you can spend one trouble to upgrade a one to three to a four to five
3: incredible <laughs> ah so you're <laughs> explain to me how anime helps you in this situation. uh, <laughs> d- d-
0: uh <laughs> no uh... Well, as we as has already been established by your your uh, layman's knowledge of anime, Dragon Ball Z, featuring the name the word dragon in the name, is is an incredibly key aspect of what anime is. As as uh, a topic and and a genre, really. Mm-hmm. So maybe there'd be some understanding of, I don't know, Shenron's movements, uh, uh, um, the the pattern in which it moves, it coils and and weaves around itself. There's there's <laughs> dragon based knowledge in anime. <laughs> sure,
3: sure. So this is gonna take your your failure that you've rolled up to a mixed success. Yes, I I. Absolutely agree with that. You can know as much about Enron's moves as you want to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Enron Hubbard? <laughs> That's El-ron. So many steps removed. <laughs> <El-ron>,
5: <laughs> Hubbard. Oh, I know. Yeah, you can know as much about
3: Elrond as you want to. Listen, <laughs> you, you get your mixed success. Absolutely. Um, describe to me Nick's, uh, Nick's maneuver here, and then I will give you, once again, your complication
0: uh seeing where he is teleported out nick having tucked his board under his arm quickly throws it down hops on top uh, he doesn't sheath his sword but he he goes and begins riding down the back of the dragon and as he comes around the curves of, of its coils he does as we discussed come off that jump soaring through the air and manages to kind of like duck in between two of those flaps of that tri-dimensional mouth right onto the back of it and he stabs his negatana down to get a, a, a hold on top of the head of this dragon
3: you're you're stabbing the dragon in the head
0: maybe that's a bad move i just i don't know i wasn't sure how else he would <laughs> No, it's a it.
3: great i just said the words you're stabbing the dragon in the head that's a great he, move he's,
0: <laughs> he's he's used his <laughs> negatana as almost an improvised uh, joystick for the phase dragon
3: sure yes love it uh yeah you you accomplish that you're you're maybe just about to careen over top and like go tumbling into the the boiling marshland below but you stab your sword in and get a hold on it and sort of swing yourself back up and you're now dragon riding baby like (laughs) like it's not a one-to-one like joystick but you're able to sort of direct its movement and your your goal is to let it carry you across here yes Um, So I think that is what happens. We mark the final uh, letter on the progress track, and uh, you have successfully navigated the Boiling Marshlands. However, I think this dragon is none too pleased that you, you know, stabbed it in its head. (laughs) Uh, So I think you are able to get yourself about where you want to go and, and cross the remainder of the treacherous boiling marshland, but it only abides this for so long before sort of just whipping its head to one side and flinging you in, thankfully in the direction you're going, you make it to the other side, uh, but you land hard. Uh, this thing has, has thrown you. And, uh, and when you do land, you're going to take another slam here of just sheer physical damage. Uh, Mm. but you thing is you can't take another slam, so you've got very limited options ahead of you. Either you're peeling back or it's time to uh, stack up that trouble a little bit higher.
0: Yeah, I think that's the option I'm going to have to go with. I am I am going to take two more trouble to nope. And uh, yeah, I think just in that last careening toss, Nick manages to like, I don't know, he, he like hits part of the canopy and tumbles through the brush enough that he is able to land without like taking too much damage. He's still got like, cuts and scrapes on his face kind of thing, but he, he manages to land on his feet.
3: I think you, you do land on your feet and you, you see the dragon sort of plunge its head back down and, like, it doesn't seem like you've, you know, you didn't murder the glory of FaZe Dragon, <laughs> but it will not forget this day. Um, yet there is a rivalry forged in blood uh, on this occasion. <laughs> nah, it, it just, like, disappears back into the swamp uh, and you are left there on the other side. And I like I say, I think you do land on your feet but you quickly collapse to your knees, and then just onto your back, and we uh, we leave the scene with Nick just panting and and sweating and just like taking a moment to recover from the ordeal mm-hmm. that he was just subjected to. Uh, you didn't take that slam, but you're you're nonetheless uh, at very close to your breaking point here, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where we leave Nick for the moment, is just sort of taking a a moment to recover before completing the journey. Let's check back in with the rest of the crew. Uh, the rest of Weird Gravity uh, was uh, navigating a chasm, and uh, I want to catch up with uh, Chester first and foremost. So you had thrown Elliot's voidware backpack out in front of you, and by spending a kick, you managed to uh, land it safely on the other side. Elliot, I think from inside this thing, it's not a comfortable experience uh, getting hucked to the other side of the... like it's a weird thing because it's a dimension contained within a backpack. So it is not, you know, you don't feel the impact of the ground necessarily, but I also can't imagine that this uh, has no effect on the contents of the bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it it's just like a very nauseous sort of like all of reality, just, sort of turned around you but also your feet never left the ground like you're still standing where you were standing kind of thing uh it's it's an unpleasant ordeal but you have made it successfully to the other side uh and much as we've established in previous episodes where the bag gets chucked uh i think it is on its side and you have the ability to emerge from it uh should you choose to do so
4: uh yeah i think i crawl out
3: yeah, and I think as you, like, there's not a lot of time in between uh, your landing and Chester's. You you sort of peek your head out of the bag, and as you're emerging, you see the figure of Chester careening towards you. And it kind of takes you a second to make sense of, like, wait, wasn't Chester carrying me? How did I get
5: here and Chester's still what? Um, I, I would also like to point out that I use Sacrifice the Body, so as much as I rolled that six, I do land super hard.
3: Yes, absolutely. Well, I think what it is, it's not even your landing. You threw this bag out. Uh, you had kind of found a straight shot uh, and, and you managed to chuck the bag right down the middle, like perfect bowler, uh, got a strike. You, you, uh, you threw this thing through all of the treetops and, and it plumped down on the other side. Something about the motion of throwing it as you were jumping threw your trajectory off by a little bit. And so rather than going straight through uh there are these floating treetops all around you right like they they descend downwards and then sort of vanish cuz that's where the ground would be but the ground's not there and you sort of slam into one and much like we described earlier of uh Scott Parsifal like ramping off of trees and sort of uh glitching in between and and uh ping-ponging from one to the next you do the same but but um not intentionally uh you you slam into one tree trunk and then uh reflect and bounce into another and sort of uh, again, ping pong your way across, but taking a hit on each, uh, each one. What is the name of the slam you get from this? Let's go
5: with, let's go with pummeled. Pummeled. I like that. <laughs> You've <Sure>. been pummeled. <laughs> uh, and, and like I, after I like land and I stop and I go back over to my phone and I pick it up and the stream is still going. Uh, as you can see, uh, uh, Mrs. Stone, uh, sometimes jumping really far can hurt a lot which, which is of course a thing in biology when animals get hurt and I, I know I messed it up and I closed the phone
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love it um, let's cut over to uh, Angus and Lake Angus you had taken Lake's hand and you were rolling to teleport and you got a mixed success Um, so first of all, describe to me this, uh, your teleportation maneuver, and then I will hit you with your problem.
1: Uh, I think we're, it does state with a running start. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're both on our hoverboards. Angus gives, like, a look, nods, we both start hoverboarding. And then just as we're about to approach the lip of the chasm, blip, uh, glitches out, and hopefully glitches back where there is floor
3: underneath. I think... It's a similar situation where I I love the the parallel here that both you and Chester sort of took it upon yourselves to to get your teammate to safety, and I think you uh, blink back into existence in the midst of this uh, this floating canopy of trees these eerie uh, ghostly trees that are that are hanging suspended in midair, and yeah, Lake uh, makes the straight shot and and, you know, maybe a little bit, like, you know, feet almost out from under you, but you manage to, like, walk it off and and, and land on the other side unharmed. But I think, Angus, you're so focused on making sure that Lake gets to the other side that you also collide with one of these tree trunks. Um, and rather than, like, you know, when you're in jet-powered armor that's propelling you forward, you sort of ping-pong. Uh, but when you're just doing a, a running start and a leap, that really kills your momentum. And so you go from uh, flying forwards uh, to falling uh, and you are able to, cause this was a mixed success and not a, not a total failure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we, can you nope a mixed success? You can nope a problem. Yep. Yeah. You can absolutely. Yeah, I that. Uh, lake nopes this. Oh, amazing. Oh, Yeah. So I have to mark a trouble, right? You have uh you, you mark two trouble. Uh, so you, you see Angus hit this tree, uh, and it looks like he's about to start falling. Uh, do you, did you have a way in mind of of how you're able to sort of? I think I think
2: a, a, just a movie, a classic kind of like uh, as Angus is falling, a hand catches him
3: and has to
2: pull him back up.
3: Yeah, I think I I, I like that because you guys were holding hands as you jumped across. So I think like uh, yeah, as Angus hits the tree, your grip, you know, you see that the hands are are holding at the wrist and and they sort of slide up from away from each other. And, like, you do sort of land on your feet, but you realize that you've lost your grip on yeah. Angus and instinctively turn back and turn reach. And uh, your feet yeah. go up from under you and you slam to the ground, but you're able to to get your grip again. And Angus is dangling from this uh, impossible ledge that shouldn't exist, but you've got a firm hold on him and are able to drag him up to safety.
1: <sighs> Thank you.
3: You're
2: welcome.
1: <sighs> okay, blood's pumping.
2: Yeah, yeah. You good? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Are you Are you good?
1: I'm good.
2: Good, because I'm not good. I fudge. Fudge it all the heck. <laughs> Nick! And she just yells Nick. <laughs> like, not even like she's trying to find you,
3: more like I'm coming for you.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, baby. So the four of you regroup, you, you've managed to make it across, you have lost sight of, of Subsonic Sentinel, you're not sure where they ended up, because uh, they, they were off ahead of you, um, but you're sure they can't have gotten far, and you did successfully bluff them earlier, so Jason and Kabir at least, I mean it was a mixed success, um, but Jason and Kabir at least are under the impression that the, uh, the flower there totally not here looking for is back in the other direction. But they're, they're not important right now. We, we have our four members of Weird Gravity reunited on the far side of the canyon, uh, and you carry on towards the coordinates or, or as best you can remember them. As you approach said coordinates given to you by Jet Collective, you start to hear a low, constant buzzing sound, which gets louder and louder the closer you get. Soon the source of the sound is revealed. A swarm of hyper hornets fills the air between you and your destination. Uh, each one is the size of a falcon, their orange striped abdomens tipped with a long spear-like stinger. You wait for them to pass by, hoping they don't notice you, but unfortunately, something seems to be holding their attention. What do you do? There's a swarm of hyper hornets, and they're not moving. <laughs> oh, What's holding their attention? Yeah. Uh, you can't tell. You just, like, there is a swarm of of hornets ahead. They are all, they're they're falcon-sized. They're very big. Um, not cat-sized. That was the mosquitoes from the old episode. These are falcon-sized <laughs> bees. It's different. It's um, very different. You can see this swarm and just, like, it's not behaving like a swarm of bugs where it would, you know, move on after a certain amount of time. It is gathered around something. Uh, but to get close enough to see what it is would necessitate you know, getting close to a swarm of hyper hornets. But, but it's not us, like nothing. It's not like someone's carrying hornet food or something. No, no, no. They are, they are <laughs> firmly rooted up ahead of you, um, but it also seems to be in the direction where the jungle gets thickest, which uh, you guys also know is is a sure sign that that's probably where you're going to find this Turbo Dendron.
4: Uh, I'd like to roll to pull something out of my backpack. Mm-hmm. I want to pull a bee smoker out of my backpack.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Now, which ability of the backpack? Like, what is the wording on this ability?
4: Uh, Pocket dimension. Store any amount of objects smaller than a person. Roll to see if you happen to have a common object in there.
3: All right. Now, that common item is, is, uh, or a common object is is a tricky line to distinguish, because, like, what is a bee smoker? It's more common than, you know, an intergalactic death ray, but it's not as common as, like, I don't know, a a Subway sandwich punch card was what came into my brain. (laughs) (laughs) It's like it's it's a, everybody's
0: got one of those right on
3: the line of of is it common or uncommon? It's a very specific object, but also not a like unfathomable one. So what I'm going to say is if you're willing to burn one of your devices kick, you still have to roll for it. But you can attempt to produce this item. Uh, whereas if uh, if not, I, I would say that it maybe falls as a little too uncommon to just happen to be in there.
4: Uh, yeah, no, I will definitely burn a kick. I'm also going to add a dice, uh, a boost. Sorry, under turbo add a boost. Which means I'm rolling 3d6. Uh, it's a 5.
3: All right. Mixed success. So you are able to produce this uh, this bee smoker. Um, and yeah, so that is exactly what comes out. And I'm going to even give you that, like, it, it has... I don't know what it is that you put in a bee smoker to make it smoke. Uh, but it has whatever you need. Like, it's it's not like, ah, you got the bee smoker, but you don't have the smoke capsule. Like, you, you have everything you need to uh, make it do the thing it needs to do. Dope. And I think with a little bit of of tinkering, you're able to sort of figure out the mechanism. Maybe this isn't your first time pulling a bee smoker out of your voidware backpack. Who knows? Maybe that's how <laughs> you thought to do this. So yes, I think you're able to do this, and uh, I, I there will be a complication because it is a mixed success. Uh, but I'm assuming your plan is to smoke these bees. You yes. <laughs> smoke these bees out, yeah?
4: Um, I think I very calmly walk up in front of everyone, like the. Elliot and I both know that you don't want to freak out around hornets because that'll just draw their attention and then they'll, they'll freak out and it's a bad deal. So she's very chill, as is her playbook. uh, And she just walks forward and just kind of like pumping this bee smoker, just very, very relaxed, dispersing lots of smoke into the air to try and convince these uh, hyper hornets to disperse
3: yeah and I think you see it begin to work um and you see that the uh, the bees start to like the the ones nearest to you first start to sort of mellow. I, I sh- I'm probably doing the thing where people like mix up, uh, apes and monkeys and anyone who knows anything about biology. is like, that's a completely different thing. Uh, and I'm doing the same thing with bees and hornets right now. Cause I think hornet is a wasp variety and bee is, is a different, uh, subspecies altogether, but, but whatever. Yeah, you better it's, get
1: the hyper hornets, right?
3: It's, it's an interdimensional <laughs> variant. Maybe these ones are bees. You don't know. It's a misnomer on, on <laughs> the, the nomenclature of the hyper
0: hornet. It's, it's not the other way around. It's... Yeah.
3: I mean, you guys are slug blasters. You name stuff because you think the name sounds cool not because it's scientifically accurate so i think slug blasters <laughs> call them hyper hornets so they probably have a, a scientific name but but that's not what you know them by so yeah they uh they begin to mellow out and calm down a little at a time like the ones nearest you and then the ones further away and i think where your complication is comes into play is that you realize that you just like there's too thick of a swarm for you to like get them all in one go uh you've gotten the bulk of them but like there's a, there's a a section that you're going to have to move through. Um, but you can see that they're all kind of like, there is a clearing ahead and they're all kind of at the mouth of this clearing, but none of them are, are passing into the clearing itself. They're just sort of like swarming around the edge of it. Uh, and so you, you have dealt with most of the bees, uh, and, and as they sort of, uh, are lulled into sleep, uh, or, or lulled into just like inaction. Uh, the last puff of smoke comes out of the smoker and you realize that you've expended all of the fuel and there are still just a few bees left. Um, so there's still going to be, uh, uh, not nearly as many to deal with as there were, but there's still going to be some to deal with. Like you want to blast these? Yeah. I,
2: I think I have a plan for it and she, she not, not to blast them, but can I do like a mosquito spray kind of a thing? Like, can I make a, a stink cloud around us?
3: Yeah, I think that's absolutely something the reality canon can do. I'm gonna interject um, here one more detail that I forgot to mention. Silly me forgetting to mention this, but as slug blasters, you guys are all somewhat familiar with the the hyper hornets of the golden jungle. You're also aware that it is rumored that their sting causes immediate peelback. That if if one of these things gets you, it's it's curtains for you, you you go straight home, do not pass go. Anyway, that might be relevant to you shortly.
5: <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> So Chester, who's just like picking himself up and joining and seeing all these these flying insects, to him, uh, he's like, "Oh boy, hey, what are those? Like some sort of hornets? I mean, I mean, they're not fuzzy. They uh, they, they got the smooth outer shell, and there's a whole bunch of them. So that must mean they're hornets, because <laughs> that's what difference between them and wasps." <laughs> uh oh boy with a hornet i oh boy yeah i i think uh, we need to get a whole bunch of gas in here as you say that like a the lob goes zipping
2: past your nose and you get a little whiff or whatever we're about to lay on them um <laughs> uh, so i'm gonna roll to uh yeah uh parameter dial gonna change the odor it's on the list of optional things the odor is gonna be repugnant or whatever the, what's that stuff called for it's keeping like mosquitoes away citronella citronella yeah um hyper hyper friction
3: citronella <laughs> <laughs> nice. and what are you what are you targeting with it because you're changing the odor of something is it like are you targeting one of the hornets or are you targeting the the like trees in the or the like near the clearing uh what what is the target of this that you're trying to make smell like citronella
2: i guess it was like a cloud in my mind it was like the air around us um but that is kind of like hard to target you're right yeah okay can i use can i use kick then to um dial her her uh
3: thing away from lob shot and into more of like a hose beam (laughs) yeah i'm i'm curious is this are you are you intending to spray them with the smell they don't like or spray yourselves with the smell that they don't like i guess it would be us i love it uh yeah let's get that roll so I'm gonna use a kick to um, dial her
2: her lob into a beam, uh, and I'm gonna use a a, turb- a a boost just to make sure it works. And I don't try this very often. I think she is trying to look cool because now she's like in in like a fugue state of like rescue mode, where she is gonna grab Nick by like the scruff of the back of the neck and like drag him through the portal. Um, <laughs> so it, like like. T- uh,
3: Rambo style, like w- w- she's just gonna start hosing down her teammates. Amazing, yeah, <laughs> I-, I love that that image of like it's just like beyond the point of of yeah. uh, <laughs> having any patience left. The, the
2: sun, the two suns glisten in the uh, um behind in the in the background behind her, and she's just like. <sighs> Mm, I love the smell of nega friction in the morning.
3: And then, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll throw this out there just before you roll. I know you're adding one of your dice to it. Uh, this is sort of a, a, a team scenario, and I like you know you're expending the yeah. kick both to uh, make it a, a beam, but also to be able to have you know to affect three, uh, four of you. If ever there was a time to use one of those team hype dice, now might be yeah. it. But that's that's your decision. Yeah. I just am reminding you that also that I'm aware that's not a
2: Rambo quote. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, uh, team. Anyone want to kick me a hype dice?
1: Do it go for it
2: okay someone check check it off the other box i'm adding a third day uh five Mixed success all right so she she like lines them all up and just goes like and we all
3: smell like uh nigga friction citronella. <laughs> you know what this is absolutely perfect the cloud uh descends down upon you it's it's not a pleasant experience getting coated in in uh bug repellent but uh but it, it works, uh, and uh, as you approach the uh, cloud of, of hyper hornets, uh, you know, most of them docile on the ground, and then uh, now the remainder of them take one whiff of, of what you smell like. And I think the four of you clustered together is enough to sort of like, not only do they leave you alone, they sort of like start to disperse and, and become less of a swarm. And you are able to enter the clearing beyond. Now I'm gonna cut quickly to Nick, who we left sort of panting on the other side of the boiling or, or sulfur boiling marshland.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Nick, I think what ended up happening here was that uh, your initial teleport jump sort of sent you to the far side of the coordinates, uh, whereas they came from the near side. So you guys approached okay. from different directions. So you were actually able to you you skipped the chasm altogether. Uh, you had to deal with some some marshland in your way. But once you got past that, you were you were right where you wanted to be. Um, and so as you kind of stagger to your feet uh, and, and start moving towards your best guess as to where the jungle gets densest, uh, you also heard the sound of these buzzing hyper hornets. But before you could even start to formulate a plan of, of how to get past them, uh, you saw the cloud of smoke and you saw some of them start to get docile. Uh, and you were before you could even figure out what was going on. Uh, you see your friends approaching there and uh, and making their way towards the uh, the clearing. Uh, do you follow after them? Do you call out to them? What is what is Nick's maneuver here?
0: So they're headed toward the clearing. And where am I in relation to the clearing?
3: Uh, you're, you're also nearby, um, close enough to see them approaching, close enough to see the hyper hornets, but like coming at it from a slightly different direction.
0: I think Nick is, he, he feels bad to have, made this move in such a way and like i guess also noticing hyper hornets having put his friends into that sort of position um and i don't think he's gonna call out to them he's i i think it's a moment where he, he almost kind of like raises his hand to to like wave and then reluctantly pulls it back down and, and kind of balls it up in a fist and he's he just sort of sits there for a bit
3: okay uh, are you gonna follow after them, or? Yes. Are you gonna wait on it, wait them out? Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, Nick will then sort of like get up and sort of go in the same direction as them. But I, I think he's actually gonna do it uh, using the astral phasing on his Rift Ninjas to be kind of quiet and stay behind. Damn.
3: So yeah, you uh, you take advantage of this window that has been created by Elliot and Lake uh, to to bypass the Hyper Hornets, um, but you don't make your presence known. Um, and one way or another you all emerge into the clearing. The trees are densely packed all around the edges of this small clearing, and they lean inwards, blocking out most of the sun. A single shaft of light breaks through the canopy, illuminating a large dark green bulb protruding from a thick coiled thorny vine. As you watch, the bulb begins to open, revealing massive petals that that shimmer and glow in the otherwise dim light. Uh, They shift from one color to another, constantly changing, impossibly beautiful. It is a breathtaking sight. So much so that it takes you all a moment to realize that the turbodendron is completely surrounded by metallic skinned four armed figures in dark robes, all of whom are staring directly at you.